God, thank you for this day and the chance to be here in this place and this season of the year. You're Lord of all. Be Lord of Christmas. And help our celebration be real. Help it be moving so that through us, you might speak a word to the world that you loved enough to give the very best that you had to give for. God, thank you for our pastor search team and the work that they're doing. And as always, we lift them to you in prayer. Guide them. Keep them from discouragement. Uh, Lord, you, you have the person for this place. And what a joy it will be when that person is here. But in the meantime, help them and us walk by faith, serve, enjoy, experience a peace that passes all understanding, and God, just the thrill of knowing that we belong to you. We're so happy today to be together like this. Thank you that Henry's back with us and how you've been with him. And Lord, there's so many others for whom we've prayed, folks in this, this room today who, who a week ago had, had burdens that they cast on you and you, you met those needs. And God, we're, we're, we're so grateful. Now in this service today, would you make it special for us as we worship? And Lord, as we turn again to this experience called the Lord's Supper, May we experience the presence of Jesus. We ask these things in his name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Our boys and girls that are going to children's worship may be dismissed during this time. You've heard announcements and seen the Christmas activities between now and the first of the year. And uh, pay attention to those and participate in all that you possibly can and uh, get the blessing out of this season of the year. In just a little while, really the conclusion of the sermon will be the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And uh, it is a little different, a little different from what I've ever done before, maybe from how you've experienced it before in this uh, COVID-infested time frame that we're in. There are the elements in the pew in front of you. If you're sitting further back, the deacons will bring you a packet at the appropriate time and you'll get instructions in how uh, to do that and use that during this time. And um, just know that proper precautions have indeed uh, been made and we're safe uh, as we are able to gather here today to worship in this way. God bless you for being here and uh, may God speak to all of us you know, when you look at passages that fit about Christmas and the gift and uh, the Lord's Supper and, and all of that, I, I've chosen 
what is not really seen as a Christmas passage, and yet it is. In in the kind of the doxology at the beginning of Revelation, in the book of Revelation chapter 1, uh, verse 5b and verse 6, hear this. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And may God bless the reading of his word. How are you doing with your Christmas list and your gifts? Do you find that can be kind of frustrating? Uh, We've been trying to get our family members to suggest kind of what they would like for Christmas. You know, the wish list on Amazon and that kind of thing. Now, our daughter-in-law does that really well. Our son, the newest thing he had on his list was put on there in 2017. Until yesterday, he caught up, trust me. What will you get for Christmas? Well, beyond the stuff that comes in wrapping paper and the stuff that you open on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, whatever is your tradition at your house, what what will you get? What will you get from Christmas? The wonder of the gift. And you know the danger for us who have known the Lord for a good many years now and have walked with him a good deal of the journey of life is that this thing that comes every year can can become kind of routine, kind of ordinary. And if we're not careful, we lose a sense of wonder about it. But when you, you think about Christmas, the coming of the Messiah into the world, the, the, the birth of, of the Son of God into the world, there's nothing routine about that. And oh, how we need, oh, how we need that, that sense of wonder at what God has done, that sense of, of excitement, that, that, that sense of awe. That, that hallelujah moment again and you and afresh year by year as we come to celebrate that, that God has done something and, and the world has always been different since that something and the world is different today because of that something and, and the world is full of hope and certainty because of that something. And so when John comes separated from people about whom he cared a great deal and finding himself on the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's Day and the churches that he cared about 
across the sea, separated by the sea. It's why in the book of Revelation we're told the sea is no more because there will not be any more separation between God and man when heaven becomes the reality of all of our experience. John was there and God came to him in that vision that day. And we have that the book of Revelation explaining that to us. And in the midst of that, he thunders out in that doxology to him who loves us. What do we get? What do we get with Christmas? Beside the bills. Beside the meals together with family and all. What is it that it's really all about? And notice how John just peels it out in in that, that, that doxology. What do you get? We, we, you get a love which never ends. Unto him, he says, who continually loves us. Notice that the love comes first. Notice that it is unconditional. We have this Christmas music we teach the children uh, you, you know, Santa Claus is watching and all that kind of stuff. The, the, the fact is that God's love expressed to us in Christ is an unconditional love. I have good news for you today. God loves you. God loves you as you are. And God loves you with all the capability that God has to love. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you any more than God loves you. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less than God loves you. Unto Him who continually loves you. It is an embracing love. And it is... An excusing love, not that God excuses our sin, but He loves us in spite of our sin. And as we're going to see in just a moment, He's done something for us in our sin. Notice that it is an eternal love. It has no beginning really. And it certainly has no end. It is not a love just for the past, but it is indeed a love for the present, and it is a love unto the future, unto Him who continually loves us. Celebrate that. Do not lose the wonder of that. As you face whatever it is that you may face during this season of the year, as you deal with the potential of having to face a COVID or anything else, know that you're not separated from the love of God, which is expressed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's what you get. What do you get? Well, you get a freedom which always liberates. Did you catch the way he said that? Freed us unto him who loves us and who has freed us from our sins by his 
blood. It's, it's that word that occurs again and again in the pages of the New Testament. It means to, to set free or, or, or to loose. Remember when uh, Jesus was coming back into Bethlehem, to uh, Jerusalem and he told uh, his disciples it would be a donkey there. He told them to loose the donkey. It's this word. Uh, the, there was that woman that reached out to Jesus in, in Matthew. And it was the seventh day. And he told her that she was loosed from her disease. It's the same word. Same word. Uh, Jesus came to set us free. Think about that. You sometimes feel bound. You know, Paul, in his greatest theological treatise, really the book of Romans, expresses enormous frustration in Romans chapter 7. And he concludes chapter 7 with, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me? Who will deliver me? Who will set me free from the body of this death? You hear the frustration of that? Well, I got good news for you. Romans chapter 8 comes after Romans chapter 7. Isn't that brilliant? But chapter 8 opens up, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And we have that wonderful litany of the eternal love of God and how God is at work in everything for good to those that love Him. That's where He ends up. Why? Because the baby that was born, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, who declared His love for us, went to the cross died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and was raised again. And by His very blood, He has set us free from who we were to be what it is that God can make us and use us and and bless us. Jesus wants to give you a new you. And Jesus wants you to have the thrill and the joy of walking with Him. And Jesus wants you to be set free from the bondage, from the chains of bitterness or hatred or even pity or selfishness. All that sort of thing. He wants to set you free. Well, what else do you get? Well, John says there, you you get a status which always elevates. And to him who loves us and releases us from our sins by His blood and He's made us to be a kingdom priest to His God. When you think about John, common man, 
I think all his life he may have yearned for, for citizenship, for status. But his homeland was under Roman dominion. He was not a citizen of Rome. Here he comes and he says, "What? Well, look, he made me, he made us to be a kingdom, a priest, representatives of God. He's somebody. Now this old fisherman was a child of the king. Royal blood was in his veins. He had the opportunity and responsibility to to lead men to God. he's He's a priest. He's somebody because God has made him to be somebody. He got a status which forever elevates. Well, so do you. So do you. You're somebody. Because God has made you to be somebody and he's loved you in Christ and he's forgiven you of your sin and he's made you to be a kingdom of priests. Well, what else is there? You have an access which never fails. Priest unto God the Father. The Jews had long dreamed of Israel being transformed at the Messiah's coming into a nation of prince-priest with the unique and final privilege access to the very presence of God. And John is saying, folks, the dream has been fulfilled. The day is here. Through Jesus, we're now ushered into the very presence of God. One writer, he said, what a thought. Our our common garments are now vestments. Our common meals are sacraments. Our common homes are temples. Our hearts are altars. What does it mean? It means we have the privilege of coming to God for ourselves. We we don't need another priest interceding for us because we now have a high priest in the form of the eternal Son of God who is born in what we celebrate as Christmas. And so the preacher in Hebrews would say, we come boldly into the throne of grace where we can find help in time of need. It's your gift. It's your gift. It lasts longer than anything that comes wrapped in paper. You're loved. You're free.
to be free. You're a child of the King. You have access to the very throne of God. Do you know there probably isn't anything else in our experience as children of God that pictures this for us quite the same way that this thing we call the Lord's Supper does. It expresses the awe, the wonder. It really does express the meaning of the gifts. If you call our Lord your Lord, you're invited to receive the supper. And I have a couple of men who are going to help me if you all will come on down. What a night it was there in the upper room uh, when Jesus, after supper, 